Welcome to Six in the Mix. Yo, when this flock comes to talk, pull a chair and prepare. We have six in the mix. When we speak, it's unique. Buried views, no excuse for the news to be void of some fun and the truth. Word. We are a band of brothers who met and bonded in college. After starting families and branching out across the United States, we are coming back together to strengthen our relationships through the podcast platform. We call ourselves Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. In this episode, we take a look at what led us to Pillsbury, the college where we all came to know each other and bond. We have a special election edition of Six in the Mix trivia. Looking forward to that. We've got a faith topic that is going to take a look at John Piper's perspective on the election and and whether we agree or disagree. Uh, We also have Calling Your Shot which will focus on a favorite athletic moment. Ben, as always, will do the feel-good story of the week, and Don will close us out with his testimony in Fix Your Eyes. Hello, Forrest. What's up, Forrest? What's up? Apparently, we just came into a home improvement segment that we forgot to announce as well. What's going on? Generator, generator behind the behind the flame floor. Yeah, right there. Perfect. <laughs> yep. No. Don. Don't turn it on. Just pretend it's not there. <laughs> Got it. Don. What? What in the world, Don? Guys. What's going on? Sorry, guys. I was just uh, bring us up sorry. to speed there, pal. So yeah, I'm doing a little bit of multitasking here, and we got a we got a bunker building project going on. We're getting ready for the end of the world. Come on, guys. I mean, did you guys have a plan? I asked you guys if you had a plan. I can't believe you guys are surprised I have a plan. So this is my plan. I got me a big old bunker. I got two guys from Yugoslavia, <laughs> Boris, Boris, and us. His friend's name. Friend's name. Eugene. You yelled Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> Eugene, yeah. So, like a month, a couple months ago, I put in a Craigslist ad for for someone to help build me a bunker. And uh, lo and behold, two uh, two clowns from Yugoslavia who knew? <laughs> <laughs> answered the call. We are building a bunker, and of course, these Yugoslavians they work on Yugoslavian time, so they're like up all night now <laughs> and uh, working away. So it's been a bit of a trouble. Can I, can I just ask one question? How deep yeah. is your bunker? Can I can't tell away? you that. I cannot give any specifics away. I don't want to uh, divulge any secrets. And I'm in a bit of a moral pickle, if you will, with the Eugene and Boris, because um, they obviously can't know where my bunker is once they're done building it. So um, we, we'll cross that bridge once we get there. It might be the end of us. It might not matter. I could probably get away with anything by the time by the time the elections are with. So I'm, I'm, I think I'll be okay. Wow. <laughs> but I'll keep you guys updated. I know. I'm hoping I'd be able to do my podcast down from the bunker. You know, hopefully next week we'll see how, how the connection is. But yeah, I'll keep you guys updated while what's happening. Yeah, just so, make sure it's fiber optic. That's all you got to do. <laughs> oh, so, we, got, we got state-of-the-art stuff. We, spare uh, no we expense, are, we, huh? Spare no expense. We are going all in. Of course, the creature comforts are all there. <laughs> you know, I've got I've got, I've got, got the Xbox Series X coming any day now, so uh, I've got a rush order on that. Yeah, before and, you uh, shut the lid, man. Let me get this straight. You're sparing no expense on this bunker, and so that led you to post an ad on Craigslist. 
and get <laughs> two guys from a foreign nation to come over to build a bunker in an unknown location only to you and for those two. But at the completion of said bunker, these two guys, you have to... You I know. Know. I, I'm not sure what you're speaking of, Matt, but... Um... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm not sure exactly where you're going with that, so I, gotta, I can't you gotta, say. You gotta, start but using yes. the, you gotta start using the phrase. I cannot confirm or deny <laughs> anything. Well, you know, it's, th- it's thanks to these. God bless the USA and their immigration laws, because I was able to get these guys in with no issues at all. Um, so, so that helped. And see, maybe a Biden helping out on sending send the big guy. Sending the big guy it's a prop boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, boy. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I don't make you know, it. It'd be, it would be funny if the big guy had some uh, had some hookups with this because I do believe I did see Barisma on their uh, on their uh, resume form. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <it's great. laughs> I'm detecting several moral dilemmas here. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be great. Well, I, don't a know, days. I don't know how to segue from that to our first topic, but I'm going to do my absolute <laughs> dead level best. Don and said company burrow down into the hole of the earth and try to protect themselves. We're going to go with the first topic, which really is back to before all of us knew each other and where we were and how we came to uh, came to the college that we ended up in uh, the beautiful Southern uh, Minnesota, Pillsbury. I, what I was going to do to launch this off is I was going to go to kind of a, uh, the idea of who came from the farthest and work our way back that way. But because we don't have Ethan tonight, the two that are out from the West, we are not able to, I'm not able to get his uh, story on that. So I'm going to start. And then since the rest of you guys are from the state of Minnesota, so I'll let you guys kind of go in a clockwise fashion there. Start with Matt, then go to Ryan, Don, and then Ben. Let's uh, let's begin. So the question is, what led you to Pillsbury? What what brought you to that college back in the day? And for me, I don't think I actually knew a thing about Minnesota. In fact, I other than memorizing the state and memorizing the capital uh, back in probably fourth grade, no clue about anything. Didn't even know about the lakes and all the beauty that it holds. Didn't know about the uh, the headwaters of the Mississippi. Had no clue about Lake Itasca. No idea that golf was so prevalent in the state. No idea about the political uh, or socioeconomics of the place because I grew up in Arizona. And my link to Pillsbury had nothing to do with somebody who was actually from Minnesota. It was actually somebody who was in Arizona who got hired to be the athletic director and uh, the head basketball coach at Pillsbury. That's the link that I had. But my my story was my dad did not want me to stay uh, at home. He wanted me to get out and go to college somewhere. He wanted me to go to a, a Christian university or a college somewhere. He wanted me to get out of my own. And uh, I was ready to just work, stay at home and uh, kind of pad the checkbook because I had a great job at a high school. And he walked in probably, I want to say, end thir- the third week of July with two suitcases and a plane ticket to the airport in Minneapolis and said, you're going to go to Pillsbury. I hadn't filled out the application. I haven't talked to an advisor. I didn't know the college existed. 
he knew the athletic director or to be athletic director and head basketball coach because he was a, a rival uh, of our school and we played against each other and knew each other. So my dad basically told me, you're out of here in two weeks and you got to be on campus in two weeks. So you need to fill out an application tonight. You got to pay some fees and you better figure out how to pack these suitcases and get yourself to Minnesota in two weeks. So my goal was to go there, fly there, get on campus, figure out a way back to the airport, buy a plane ticket and head home and move in with one of my friends. That was my honest to goodness thought and uh, got there, was freezing cold on the trip from the airport. Uh, good old Burgraff, the old uh, the old cook from Pillsbury had picked me up and his windows were down on uh, I-35 and it was probably 72 degrees and I was freezing my butt <laughs> off. I asked him to roll the windows up and he looked at me. He's like, what are you talking about? And I said, I'm cold. He's like, are you serious? And I said, I'm freezing. He goes, where are you from? And I said, Phoenix. It was 113 degrees when I left and I was just fine. So uh, I got to Pillsbury's campus first night. Nobody in my dorm room stayed in there. It was a Saturday night. Next morning, this guy, his name, I had last name of Fry. I think it was Brian Fry, was rapping on my door. And it was about eight o'clock. He was in a three-piece suit and said, um, why aren't you ready for church? And I said, not going. He said, yeah, I think you are. <laughs> Welcome to Minnesota, folks. Wow. What an introduction. And uh, it was shortly thereafter, two days, I stayed I stayed around, uh, started playing some basketball, met a couple friends, and uh, I decided to give it a whirl for the uh, first semester and uh, did not look back and met a lot of, obviously met you guys and a lot of other good people, had some great influences in my life. So uh, that's my backstory. Uh, let's go with Matt. How about yours? Yeah, so I grew up in Minneapolis, so certainly was unlike Jeremy, well familiar with Pillsbury. You know, Don, who was several years ahead of me in high school, I know it was there as well. He was also, he had also spent some time at uh, Northland, which was another college that I was thinking of because I was looking for a college where they had a good opportunity to learn ministry, but also you know, I loved playing sports. And so I, I did want to, I did want to do that too. But uh, the thing that led me to the link that Jeremy and I have is that that same athletic director and basketball coach had a real passion for ministry and a real passion for sports that connected with me. And so he and I talked several times and uh, really appreciated you know, his passion. And so that kind of opened me up. And I think what the clincher was, so it was in a fourth Baptist church in the foyer, right outside the big auditorium. And I, I remember it still, you know, Don came up to me and obviously I knew him and stuff, but he said, Hey, you come down to Pillsbury, you get a room with me. I said, what? <laughs> And it was like it was kind of huge because, you know, big, big Don asked you to come down and provide provides room for you to come there, you know, place for you to stay and, you know, take me under his wing. It was it was too hard to ignore, you know. So we had uh, we had the we had the sports, we had uh, the captain. That really that really was it. That's that was to, it. It's hard to say no to Don. It really is. I mean, <laughs> and thinking of him right now in his bunker and what he's trying to do for his family. I mean, he's got always the best interest in mind. There is no doubt there. Don's are, always had influence. So it's it, it was interesting uh, when I was in eighth grade. I think Don Don graduated. You were in twelfth grade when I was in eighth grade, mm-hmm. and they had a they had a history of willing things to people that were left in the school. Right. So like in the yearbooks. Be I will, you know, my athletic gifts to whoever. So Don, so I, I had some pretty sweet spectacles at the time, and I wore rec specs when I was playing basketball. And in the yearbook that year, Don willed me his contacts. <laughs> and 
<laughs> that was that was the spur that my folks needed. I think I, I shared it with them, and yeah, we went and got context that year before my my wow. freshman year, and I and I never looked back either. So <laughs> what a guy, man! I can't believe we didn't get the invite to come down to the bunker and you know participate in this. But he's he's given a lot. It sounds like yeah, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan, how, Ryan, how about you? Give us give us a little of your uh, history there. I guess my history is is a bit convoluted in that my brother Chad was there for all four years of his his college life, late 80s, early 90s. And I was bound and determined to just get out of his shadow in a sense. And so I, I didn't even make Pillsbury a consideration, even though it was by far the closest Christian college to where I grew up. I mean, it was an hour and 20 minutes from where I grew up. I attended Harvest Home faithfully. I liked going there. I just, I just wanted to do something different. I guess what led me there, I just had some... Uh, <laughs> you might say challenging situations at some other colleges that forced my hand. After getting on the the, the the naughty list at one college because I listened to acapella music, I wanted to pursue a baseball dream. So I transferred to another college. That baseball dream turned sour and but I was able to play college tennis there, which was which was great. So that was three years of my college life right there. So I'll be interested to hear hear what Don how Don's story, which I know will be somewhat similar to that, in that he didn't start off at, at Pillsbury. But yeah, I, I guess I was just even going into my first year of college, I, I had such a naive mindset. I, I didn't lock into a major. Uh, I, I, I guess back then the thinking was just get a major and then you'll find a job that interests you. So I just wanted to get my college degree. I've learned so much from that that thinking. But uh, by the time I got to Pillsbury, I realized, OK, I've transferred twice now. I was going to go math major, but then I think they dropped that major when I arrived. But like a couple of you guys have already mentioned, there was the opportunity for me to continue playing sports. I used to be very competitive. I've really slowed down in my old age now, but uh, I, I really wanted to play sports. And I remember the coach you guys were referencing. I remember when we got to the golf course and I had just learned how to golf that summer. He's like, oh yeah, you can be on the team. I'm like, really? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm in. Sign me up. He's like, yeah. High level gonna... collegiate golf. Yes. Yeah. High level collegiate. I mean, this is the subdivision three probably level we're talking here, but he, he actually, I remember he mentioned Matt. He said, "Oh yeah, you got to meet this Matt guy. He's he's a character." I'm like, "Oh, so okay." <laughs> little bit, little did I know I'd be podcasting with him 20 some years later. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was a quick decision that summer uh, to transfer, and I believe my sister transferred in with me. And then I I said, "Well, what what do I need to do to get done here as soon as possible?" Because I didn't want to be on a six or seven year plan. Uh, so I was able to get done in two years, switching to a history major, which our friend Ethan also had, and that's how I got to sit in on some classes with him, of course, which is good. But yeah, that's my story. I, that's how I ended up at Pillsbury. It was not my first first goal, um, but I, I certainly treasure the the time there and having a, a good group of friends, uh, even to this day, from that college. So yeah, that's great. All right, Don, how about you? Well, yeah. Kind of like Ryan, I've got a convoluted track to Pillsbury, but um, it started at Pillsbury, then veered off, and then ended at Pillsbury. But I don't remember a day or time that I decided I was going to Pillsbury. I think it was just always there. I think I just was, it was just in the plan, I guess. I was expected to go. It was in my family. Uh, both my sisters graduated from Pills. It was always in the cards. I was just going to go there. I, I don't remember ever sitting down saying, okay, here are the college choices. Boom, I'm going here. It was just, I'm going to Pillsbury. I showed up at Pillsbury. For whatever reason, I ended up with this awful roommate who I don't even remember his name. I was only, I only lasted like a month or two at the most. And I moved out of the dorm and moved in with my sister and brother-in-law. And so, I live with them, but I just wasn't really happy. I just didn't really like it for whatever reason. It just wasn't fitting in. Didn't 
I was struggling with that, probably because I moved off campus too. I'm sure that didn't help. I sat out my that second semester. So that was, that was 93. And then in uh, beginning of the next year, I started at Northland. So I went to Northland for a year and a half. That was serious, serious rules and regulations that I was not ready for. I mean, I grew up in a conservative Christian home, couldn't go to movies, couldn't do anything like that, you know? So, I mean, it wasn't that drastic of a change, but man alive, it was a big change and had a lot of fun, I would say. Didn't fit in. I I mean, I fit in, but I was just, I don't know. I just struggled there too. I don't know what it was. I was just couldn't get fixed into a a good, uh, a good place here. And so then I ended up back at Pillsbury the fall after I came back from Christmas break, I said, Nope, not going back. Then I went to Pillsbury and my first roommate there at Pillsbury was Rich Riley, who was, I went to, I graduated from, from high school with, and then, uh, worked with Greg Snow for a year. And then, and so, yeah, that's, that's where it kind of closed out at Pillsbury. So yeah, it was just kind of a, kind of a convoluted way, kind of like Ryan said, but, uh, it was a memorable one. One I'll never forget. That's for sure. That's good. And Ben, the hometowner there. Yeah. So my time at Pillsbury started when I was two years old. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I had aunts and uncles and both of my parents attended there. My grandfather actually was, I think the, in the first two or three people that registered at Pillsbury the first year that it opened um, to go there to school. So we, we had a lot of family members and I had cousins that went there to school. Um, when I was winding up my, or uh, winding down my high school career, I had considered a few other schools and gone on some trips to see campuses and that sort of thing around the area, but ended up going to Pillsbury. My mom worked there as well. So that made it a pretty easy transition. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a a great time. Got to, um, after, you know, Matt spent some time rooming with Don, he finished up his last couple of years with me, which was saying something going to kind of rival high schools uh, to some degree between our two Christian schools. We, we attended for high school. We usually battled each other pretty good in sports. And um, so that was, you know, it was, it was a great time getting to know so many people at, at Pillsbury and really enjoyed um, the time there, learned a lot while I was there. But um, yeah, I remember the harvest, you know, Ryan mentioned Harvest Home and I was there every year from early elementary or younger even and and spent a ton of time there watched some of my was able to go and and also spend some time um, with the different teams and got to meet a lot of the athletes along the way through the years which was which was really cool so um yeah it wasn't a real long trip for me to commute when i moved into the dorm at Pillsbury, but um, I really enjoyed the time. Well, that's great. I, I know that all of us, and I know Ethan's not here to speak on on uh, his journey, but I know that because of camp teams and other influences that he had out West in Montana and people coming out and speaking at their church and just the connections that he had in uh, the state of Minnesota. Um, I know that uh, there were some, some wonderful things that he enjoyed about the campus and, and, and really for all of us, I mean, the whole, the bottom line is, you know, education's education, but that's all water under the bridge. What we found, I think, for each of us is that our relationships and friendships uh, have endured the, the test of time. And we, even to this day, obviously the podcast here and just other times that we get together and, and spend time with each other has been one of the things, the richest parts of my life. And I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of all of us, but wow, I can't imagine, I can't imagine what life would be like not being able to have uh, brothers on uh, all over the country to be able to just call and say, hey, pray for this. Here's what happened. Or 
This was hilarious. Do you remember all the things that come up with our conversations, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the hilarious all make it worth it. So it's been it's been a good time of, of writing that out. So thank you guys for that. Uh, I appreciate it. And I'll turn it back over to, to Matt for some trivia. Yes, indeed. Folks, we got a special uh, election edition six in the mix trivia for you. Uh, granted, this will episode will be coming out several weeks after the election. But with so much uncertainty in our country today, these three songs will help remind us what a great country we do live in and how much we still have to be thankful for. So uh, as Don is in the bunker, maybe uh, maybe these songs will help get him to peek his head up uh, and get some sun, sunshine on his sunshine on his face. So there's plenty of sunshine. Right. There's still plenty of sunshine pumped in right through my bunker here. I've got that. <laughs> What do you got, like YouTube? Like I a got, sun coming up on YouTube or what? I got an IV link to, for vitamin D. Just <laughs> Wow. Uh, Good. Uh, That'll boy. help you against COVID, too. Even better. <laughs> no COVID down here, I'll tell you that. <laughs> All right. All right. We, we got uh, we got some music today. So here is song number one. Matt, 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 did you say oh, there, oh, are, there are three different songs we're going to try to guess on here? Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. We got the three different songs. Yep. Yeah. I got a little uh, got a little nostalgic thinking about the country and the election and our, you know, our, our great privilege to do that. And so, yeah, these these were inspired by some of my thoughts. So song number one here. Wait, wait. We, are, are we guessing the oh. name of the song or the artist? <laughs> Oh, boy. So this is episode 14, and we still apparently have to go over every rule. So Ryan's throwing in the red flag. Challenge, red flag. Challenge. Timeout. 32nd. (laughs) Come on. There's a point for the artist and a point for the correct name of the song. Really? Ryan, any further further questions before? I I never knew that. I didn't know it was one point for the song and one point for – I thought it was a combined one point. Is that true? Well, well either way, yeah. However, we do it, yeah. I think it, maybe it is a it's a combined point, and we give a half point if you only get one. So okay, yeah. Either way, you know, cool. So yeah, right. All right, you, right. You don't give yourself three points for every answer you answer correctly, and then one point for everybody else. Oh, okay. That's helpful. Unless thank I, you, thank you, Doc. Unless I get it right, and then I share my point with everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, love the socialism. Yes, that's my our favorite liberal speaks. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy, All right. the, Jeremy's got the sheet of integrity next to his bedstand. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Check the sheet of integrity. <laughs> Dear Lord. Okay. How about we do song number one? I've got an idea. Right. Okay. Here we go. Oh, beautiful for uh, skies. Good, Ryan. For uh, acapella, my country kiss of me. Oh, one of one I of them is right. I cannot believe that. How did I miss that? Seriously. Come on, guys. Someone, someone's got to get this one right. This was the softball pitch. God shed His Remember, one of his answers was correct. Uh, I don't know which which one it is. Well, we clearly know what. I would think you would know what song it's not. 
jeepers. <laughs> Jeremy, Ben, Don, come on now. Like, literally. I should get a second guess because they've had a whole whole I'm actually going to think about it if no one's going to chime in. I don't know the title. I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what title. Don, can I, please, I'll take a half a point. Don, can I join you in the bunker? If you guys don't get this, like I'm coming in the bunker. A quarter of a point. I don't know who the group is. Lord. I know the song. I don't know who the group is. Ben, nothing? I'm just enjoying the song. It's a good one. <laughs> this is unbelievable. What? Oh, no. Am I something? <laughs> did we just play the whole song? Oh, did, did he get the wrong song? With the wrong group? Yes! God, yes! Jeez! <laughs> they only said the name of the song like 17 times in the last two minutes. Okay, the song's over. Can I can I get something for it? Yes. On. No one else want. Yes. Go Thank ahead, Ryan. You. Thank you. Acapella, America the Beautiful. You know, I thought he said the wrong. I thought he said the wrong uh, wrong group. I thought it was going to be like some offshoot of acapella I never heard before. And then I was like, try. That's all I could think about. <laughs> Moderator, I, less than impressed. <laughs> Literally, my level of disappointment is nearly at an all-time high. I thought for sure Ryan would get that one in six seconds. What was the song that he said? Uh, he said, "My country." He said, to my- "Yeah, I failed." <laughs> Which- <laughs> <laughs> wow! Is Don, is Don laughing at me for saying the wrong song? <laughs> Don thought it was Don was trying to figure out what group it was. Not what it was. That's what I was. I was like, I knew it. Are you guys so intimidated by Ryan's musical prowess that you couldn't get America the Beautiful two minutes in? For the love of Pete! (laughs) Holy buckets! Again, I will hold to the to the stake that I was trying to figure out who the group was. When he said, "Because I I just thought about it too," he got the song right. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even listen to the song. I knew that. Don's been singing the Czechoslovakian national anthem lately. <laughs> Yugoslavians, Yugoslavia. Get it yeah, right, don't, Ryan. Don't let don't make Boris come down there. <laughs> your jeans on your tail now, man. Okay. Oh. Well, how about song number two? It can only get better. <laughs> and here we go. My daughter would have this in no time. Dead, so we can sleep in peace I don't know my country. Yeah. Why can't you sing the song but not know the stuff? My daddy served in the army. That's a great tune, but I can't remember. I love the two artists. I'm, I'm going to know it. I'm going to know once we get further down the road. This was one that I was accounted Ryan not getting. What's the song title? Ryan, right? I can see him. I can Ryan. see him playing it. Go ahead, Ryan. Toby Keith, courtesy of the Red, White, Blue. Wow, Ryan. Yes. 
massive. That is correct. And this is coming from the guy who was barking about Firehouse, and I thought this was all Christian music. Oh, I guess you listen to a little country, don't you, pal? Funny. Funny, your moral, your moral high road just had an off exit that uh, went down. Into country. Excuse, excuse me. Right about Highway 14. How does, the, how does the fact that I know this song mean that I listen to country? How else would you know that? Been on the scene Easy. Like... It's, a, it's a theme song for a conservative talk show host. Who, Sean Hannity? Yeah. I've heard it. On, I've heard that. Yeah, but he doesn't. Yeah. Oh, here so, is the theme. Tony I, Keith? I, I, mean, yeah, I, even, I think I, last time I heard that name, I ate at his restaurant. Like, back in the... <laughs> Did you have a restaurant here in the cities? Yeah, I did. Yeah, Toby Keys Cowboy yeah, Toby Restaurant. Keys, right? Yeah, I had to shut that That's place right. down for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> well, that was that was. <laughs> Ryan botched the one I thought he'd get. He gets the one I didn't think he'd get. <laughs> well, next, let's go to let's. Ethan's gonna get the next one. He's not even here. <laughs> are, you, are you guys ready for song number three? <laughs> yes. Right uh, this is special. Here we go. Dude. Great. Here we go. <laughs> home free. Home, home free. God bless USA. If tomorrow With Lee Greenwood. Oh. This is uh this is home free. <laughs> yeah. let, let me hit let me hit the sounder. So this is the most recent edition that Lee Greenwood recorded with uh, in collaboration with the United States Air Force Band Singing Sergeants and Home Free. Yeah, really great. Which is a great rendition if you haven't heard it. One of the best. I mean, my favorite one. Yep, yep, agreed. Vic, did they have a video out with it? Yes, a really good video. YouTube it, you'll be able to find it. That's a fantastic yeah, some great vocals and uh, yeah, it's good stuff. You know, so. you know what I like about this rendition. You probably have heard this, Matt. I think you've probably listened to this a time or two toward the end. I don't know if you caught this, but I like how Greenwood is pleading with God to bless the USA. Did you catch that? Mm. No, I don't. I don't think I did because I had just I heard it today because I, I I wanted to do that. I wanted to do this song, but I didn't. I hadn't heard this version. Yeah, yeah, he's he's at the end. He's almost like, please, God, bless the USA. You know, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I couldn't believe how good that guy could sing. Still, man, that guy's how old is that guy? He's yeah, he's, he's, in his, he's in his seventies. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I I want to say mid to upper seventies. I think. Wow. Wow. Yeah, he could he could, he could still sing it. So anyway, that the whole goal was to encourage uh, everybody what a great country we have. But apparently, y'all got to listen to more patriotic songs. I guess Ryan maybe not as much, but all the other three of you for sure. So all righty, that's a wrap for uh, six in the mix trivia special election edition. Going to turn it over to Don for the next topic. All right, so John Piper uh, wrote an article on October. 22nd entitled pondering the implications of the 2020 election and it was in his attempts he wrote it in an attempt to answer how will he vote in the upcoming presidential election if you're not familiar with john piper 
first off, he's, he's, he was a senior pastor at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota, ministered there for almost 30 years, 33 years. Piper is currently the founder and lead teacher at Desiring.org, uh, which he started in 94. And it has blossomed into an international web ministry with over 12,000 free resources and over 3.5 million monthly users, according to the DesiringGod.org website. Obviously, John Piper, very well known within our circles, especially. Uh, he may be considered by most a statesman of the faith. Uh, his grasp of basic theology, very well written. And I myself have listened to numerous of sermons of his. I'm also a subscriber to his podcast. Now, let me read a few excerpts from his article, and I'll try to get a response from you guys, and, and I'll also tell you my, my thoughts as well. He begins the articles by saying, actually, this is a long overdue article attempting to explain why why I remain baffled that so many Christians consider the sins of unrepentant sexual immorality, unrepentant boastfulness, unrepentant vulgarity, unrepentant factitiousness, and the like to be only toxic for our nation, while policies that endorse baby killing, sex switching, freedom limiting, and social Listic overreach are viewed as deadly. He further went on to say, my point so far is simply to raise the stakes of what is outwardly modeled in leadership so that Christians are given pause. It is not a small thing to treat lightly a pattern of public behaviors that lead to death. Now, as I was reading this article, I was immediately put off because I was I was fearing where this was going. Now, I had heard uh, the fact that Piper had put out something uh, about not or about not voting for President Trump. And that's fine. I you know he can he can give his opinion. That's that's fine. Uh, but where this article article seems to go off the rails, in my opinion, is this next paragraph where he says this is true, not only because flagrant boastfulness, vulgarity, immorality and factitiousness are self incriminating, but also because they are nation corrupting. They move out from centers of influence to infect whole cultures. The last five years bear vivid witness to this infection at almost every level of society. Now, I'm just shaking my head now because once again, here's another example of a le- of a leader, a biblical leader at that, and is opining on a self, the, he's opining on the self-destructive temperament and boastful attitude of President Trump. And he's all these, all these uh, attributes of Trump is the reason for all our troubles right now. The civil unrest, the polar differences between Democrats and Republicans, a fractured nation, you know, lies at the feet of this leader and another four years will only make it worse. Well, Pastor Piper, I've got some news for you, brother. This country was divided long before Trump came into office. In fact, the Democratic platform has been progressively moving further and further left over the last 10 years at a pace never before seen. And I'll argue that the conservative right has barely budged, especially in comparison to their opponents on the other side of the aisle. He also goes on to write, I find it bewildering that Christians can be so sure that greater damage will be done by bad judges, bad laws and bad policies than it is being done by the culture infected spread of gangrene of sinful self-exaltation and boasting and self-stirring. How do they know this? Seriously, where do they get their sh- the sure knowledge that judges, laws, and policies are less destructive than boastful factitiousness in high places? He wraps it all up by saying, with a cheerful smile, I will explain to my unbelieving neighbor why my allegiance to Jesus set me at odds with death. Death by abortion and death by arrogance. 
In all honesty, I found this article to be a little childish and simple-minded in an effort to explain why Piper is deciding to vote the way he is. I mean, the guy didn't even have the balls to come out and say that he wasn't even voting for Trump. He had to follow it up with a tweet confirming that he would not be voting for Biden and Trump. And truthfully, when I was reading the article a couple times through, I was like, hey, maybe he's referring to Biden. It was it was really ambiguous. And he didn't even say which president-elect he was talking about. I mean, it was pretty odd. I mean, we could all probably guess. But again, he never really came out and said it. And this article may, be, may have been useful in 2016, but we have had four years of Trump and his track record, I think, speaks for itself. In a perfect world, I would want to elect a leader that was reverential, polite, and warm, but unfortunately, that world doesn't exist. And yeah, this man gets in his own way. I'm talking about President Trump. He gets in his own way and takes, I mean, take away his mean tweets and his childish name call, and I'll argue the guy's probably done more for religious freedom than any president in the last 20 years. His pro-Israel foreign policy and election of judges will have a long-lasting effect on this country, regardless if he wins or loses on election night. And in 2016, the people that were not voting for Trump were doing so because of his sexual immorality, boastfulness, and vulgarity. But this is 2020. We are in the battle for our lives and our children's future lives. You know, I was thinking to myself, what if David, you know, the guy that was a man after God's own heart, what if he were to rise from the dead and say, hey, you know, this United States of America country over here, boy, they could use, you could sure use a good leader. I'm going to go run for president over there. Well, based on this article, I would have to ask Piper if his allegiance would allow him to vote for King David. I could go on and on about this. I think this is propaganda, but I'd love to hear what you guys think. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll jump in because I did. I did read that, and I did see see his, you know, where he was going, and I think I understand why he put that out. But I, I also found, um, and it was passed on to me. I didn't actually find it personally, uh, but it was one of uh, Piper's contemporaries, Wayne Grudem, who wrote a response. I don't know if you guys, I sent the link to you guys, but I, uh, and we maybe we can post that uh, to our to our listeners. But Grudem came back and said, "Listen, Piper's been great. He's a great friend." theologian himself comes back and combats some of these things. And I think he, he articulates it well, particularly in his third point, um, Piper says this, the claim that the horrible sin of pride leads people to other sins, including defending abortion and therefore voting for a clearly boastful candidate might also be indirectly support uh, support for abortion. Grudem's reply was the primary motive behind support for abortion rights is a desire for sexual freedom without the responsibility of ra uh, raising children. And he goes on to explain, he says, I don't think that arrogance, this is Grudem speaking, I don't think arrogance and boasting are the primary motivations that lead people to support abortion rights. I think rather the primary motive is rebellion against God's command that forbids sex outside of marriage between man and woman. And the motive is uh, desire for sexual freedom without the responsibility of raising children. As for doctors who performs abortions, I think the primary motion, motivation is greed. He goes on to explain a few other things like the claim that voting for either candidate would compromise a person's Christian witness. I, somebody said this and I don't even know who it came from, but I think it's the wisest thing I've heard all political season that the president of the United States is not the pastor of the United States. He is the leader and he's not built to be a pastor. And if we keep shoving Trump into the 
into the pastor box, he's not going to fit the Titus description of an elder or the Timothy description of an elder. Uh, So quit pushing him there. God sets up leaders. He ordains them, but he also takes them down. And Don, I agree with you. I think, I think this, this, this letter or the, the op-ed or whatever Piper is calling this, just the, the statement that he made, I think is, is, is not right. I disagree with him. And I agree, uh, not just with Grudem, but with others that you, you can't ever vote up for a person and agree with every single thing that they do. And you gave a great example of David, but that's one of many in scripture. I don't care if you go to Moses or you go back to Adam or you go to Paul. It doesn't matter. The leader that God sets up, as far as a man is concerned, has, has uh, you know, sin. And we've got a past and we've got these nature uh, things that that haunt us because we are we are made of flesh. And to the degree that men will admit their sin and their faults and with humility, ask forgiveness and move forward. What which who of us sitting in this podcast talking today has not done things that would just absolutely embarrass ourselves if that were let out on the airwaves, let alone to our families or wives? And I admit that I've got I've got those also in my past, but praise God for his salvation and his grace and what he has given me uh, in this in this. So I can vote with a clear conscience. All that to say, I can vote with a clear conscience and I don't have a problem with that. And I'm not voting for Trump as my pastor. I'm voting for Trump and leadership in the White House. And I think that there are many more things that Trump has done for the religious freedom and the rights of humanity and for leadership uh, that we have not seen, as you mentioned, for decades. I would hope that that continues. And I do hope for some financial and fiscal responsibility this next uh, four years as well. But that's just a side note. Yeah. So the person that actually said that, Jeremy, was John MacArthur. So John MacArthur made the distinction like political leaders are not pastors. And for us to hold them to that same you know, standard is it's it's ridiculous. You're right. Now um, that you say that, I it just don't. You're, you're, you're right. That's a that's a great truth. Right. And and it's you know, it's it's important. You know, and I say this with uh, a lot of respect for John Piper. Obviously, I spent about five years at his church and, and was you know incredibly fed by him. But, yeah, on this topic, I uh, certainly certainly would disagree. I mean, go back to when the nation of Israel, who was always designed to have God be their king and trust him. They said, no, we want to we want a king like other nations. And it grieved God's heart. Right. He gave them what they wanted, but it really it grieved his heart. And every king that they brought <laughs> that got set up was a demonstration that they were woefully inadequate in every way. Right. Up until the true king, you know, Jesus. And I, I think you, another biblical reference that I, I think is meaningful to me is when the Israelites were in captivity. And I think Jeremiah was sharing the word of the Lord to them. And, and, and God said through Jeremiah, said, seek the peace of the city, seek the peace of the city. And so for me, I said, okay, which candidate best gives us the opportunity to seek the peace of the city? For me, it's, you, you got to make a distinction, right? We've, we've talked a lot about, you know, the, you know, the, the belligerence of Trump, even in the debates and such, right? He's not everything that we would want a, a, a heavenly father to be or a pastor to be. But in this, I think it's pretty clear that uh, he's the clear candidate to to seek the peace of the city far and above over over Joe Biden. Yeah, the way I 
read this article, it, it almost seems to me like Piper feels like the United States is already too far gone, almost. You, you know, you read, there's a, a couple of paragraphs in there where he's speaking to pastors and trying to remind them to, you know, that one line says, let's see if I can find it here quickly, but it basically says, you know, are, are your um, congregants living in such a way that, you know, they're exalting and raising up Jesus, whether America is there or not, almost is what was one of the lines. So, but that's reading into it. Maybe that's not exactly where he was going. I also read that response article that Jeremy referenced. And, you know, I, I thought that it was a, an interesting point there was where he talks about as individuals, we would have the, we have the ability to choose whether or not to emulate a person's behavior or their character. Right. But it's a whole different deal when we're choosing whether or not to obey a law or, you know, to, you know, so if things continue to get more, um, restrictive or more challenging to to live in a Christian way because of the laws of the land, then, you know, that's a different thing than whether or not we're choosing to follow the example of a politician. I thought that was a, a pretty good response in one of the points where the, you know, that rebuttal article came to to make a, a case there. Yeah. So those are just a couple of thoughts for me. I, you know, I don't probably have quite as strong of feelings on it, but um, those are a couple of things that jumped into my mind as I thought through the article and some of the response articles that I've seen. I'll jump in here and just share. I, I guess I've already kind of read Piper's article and then I read a response, not the one that Jeremy referenced from Grudem, but from another guy named Michael Brown. I, I'll just share what I posted on Facebook after considering these things. So I said, both Piper's and Brown's articles are interesting. To me, Piper's best point was the justified concern expressed over Trump's pride, because we all know how serious of a sin that is in God's eyes. I mean, you can just look to Proverbs 16, 18. Uh, and some might argue that this this virus has brought Trump down a little bit. I mean, he's so high on the economy, 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 and he gets this lift off of that, right? I said, where I agree with Brown is the clear threat to our traditions, way of life that is represented by the radical left, whether that means cracking down on First Amendment rights or increasing the size and scope of our government. Those desires have been realized during the pandemic or promised in the future. I would hope that Christians in America who can't figure out who to vote for will at least reflect on Romans 13 and ask which policies are more in line with God's purpose for government. I mean, Matt, you reference something from Jeremiah, but to me, I think Christians just need to get down to a biblical worldview and say, okay, look at the policies here from this guy. Look at the policies here from this guy. Now, where do you see the most biblical weight? I mean, to me, that would be a logical way of approaching this. And, you know, I gave the hint in my post here that this uh, this was not on display. The purpose of government was not on display in the riots in Minneapolis, right? Romans 13 talks about the governments should be a terror to evildoers, not to those who do good, to those who do evil. So if Christians in America cannot reflect on that, then hopefully they will consider which policies most reflect the foundational principles of America outlined by Jefferson, which life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These have been key pillars that have distinguished America over the years. And then I talked a little bit about how we've been led to believe that Trump's got all these character flaws, and we're only learning more and more about Biden's character flaws that may have been hidden. And we've got a press that helps keep those hidden. Remarkable. It's been a total blackout from the media to the corruption that is hidden on some of these uh, laptops uh, possessed by, by his son, Hunter. So I said, Trump has some 
character issues, no doubt. But if Biden and corruption get either elected or condoned, legitimate concerns will and should persist regarding how compromised he is, how dead journalism is, and how untrustworthy and political the FBI has become. Even the most skeptical Christians ought to have concerns over these things. And I'll just end by saying this. Um, I had a friend of mine, we talk a little bit about how Christians approach politics. And he said, you know, MacArthur, he he used to take an approach of we shouldn't even be really messing with politics. And if you've noticed, and a couple of you guys have referenced him already tonight, he has gotten more outspoken. Well, that's why he looks to one party and he sees a complete abandonment of God. And he's saying... How can anyone vote over there? They want to take God out of their platform. I, I could make a case if you if you've ever seen that list on Facebook that's floated around. Here's what the Democrats stand for. Here's what the Republicans stand for. And yes, I will grant it is a little biased, but you get a, you get a picture. I can make a case for probably half of those principles straight from the Bible on where God stands on these issues. And ultimately, it says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to its people. So you've got a party trying to redefine things. They, they find some joy and pride in being progressive and tearing down traditions and standards. And I'm probably going to stick with the person who's going to uphold those things which God has called good. And we've got two sinners that are running for president as we all fall into that category. And I hope we as Christians can at least say, hey, who, who's who's on the side of truth more so, more so than the other as they make a decision? So to me, the Piper article was disappointing because in a sense, he, he just focused on the flaws and we're all flawed, as, as Jeremy said. I, I, I just hope it did not turn off a lot of people uh, in, into voting uh, here on Tuesday. And I hope they go in with a clear conscience before God and can say, Lord, I see from your truth, your word, what it's truth. And I'm going to go with that. And so dicey times, uh, maybe, maybe adding a little bit more confusion was brother Piper, who usually helps us out of confusion. I, I don't, I think he took us the other direction this time around. All right. I think that was a good, uh, good finish to that one. Ryan, why don't you kick us into calling your shot? All right. This week in calling your shot, we're going to talk about our athletic histories. <laughs> Recently, we had a, uh, a calling your shot that talked about our favorite sporting event moment that we've ever been a part of. And um, that, that was fun to reflect on. We're going to make it a little bit more personal. So we're, we're opening up the floor to share what was your favorite own personal athletic moment. And uh, may, maybe you've got one you remember that was really great and you you were excited about it. Or maybe you've got one that was, um, shall we say, a bit embarrassing and you, you'd want to forget about it. And so all of us have been teammates at one point or another in college. Um, and so I think this will be this will be an interesting topic. So who'd like to get us started either with uh, your most memorable moment for good or for bad? So I actually, I got, I've got a couple to share because some of them relate to the, the guys in the podcast. So like the one that went furthest back was actually in high school. So Ben referenced this earlier. So we our high schools played against each other. And I would say, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong. I think if we took a look at OCS versus 4th Baptist, at least when you and I were playing, I think you guys got the better of us more often than not. I mean, you guys had you and you know John Slack. Uh, you, you had some nice 
combos. We had some good good guys, but I, th- I think uh, for the most part, I think you guys got us maybe just by a hair. But there was one soccer game where it was raining, and you guys came up to play us up in the cities, and it was at our home field, and we played well at our home field. And I remember one uh, episode. I think you were either trying to clear the ball, or you you, you were drop kicked it. But it, it kicked off of John's back and back into the goal. That was one of the greatest. Wait, what? And we and I think we beat you like three to one. Yeah. So Ben was Ben was the goalie, uh, right. uh, one of the best goalies we played against. And he was and Ben. I don't oh, know if you remember this. My, this, I couldn't remember if you had you had saved it and then you were trying to clear it real quick or a ball was coming in and you kicked it. But you know, John was I think the sweeper in front of you and you, you cleared it right off his back and into the goal. And I just remember all of us went diving into the corner and it was rain soaked and it was it was one of the greatest feelings of all time ben what was your recollection of that event? <laughs> <laughs> thanks matt <laughs> oh yeah i don't i've clearly blocked that one from my memory i don't recall that particular moment but i'm sure <laughs> I mean, if you're saying it i'm sure it happened <laughs> oh absolutely yeah, absolutely well knowing how we strong of a foot uh, ben has john's still probably on the field <laughs> seriously yeah it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that was that was a great one. Um, I think uh, Jeremy. I remember us playing one on one my freshman year. So these are all a bit biased toward me. I'll, I guess I'll admit it. Maybe I've got. I should read the, the Piper article because maybe I'm being a little arrogant. <laughs> but uh, that's right. You know, Jer- right. Jeremy was you know with his was a star studded you know. You know uh, basketball player at Pillsbury and we came in and, and I think we played one-on-one and it was for Burger King. And it was, it was kind of intimidating for me because, you know, this was, this was, a, this was a stud guy. And, and uh, I don't know, it just kind of came up. We, we put, we put, uh, you know, Burger King or Arby's or something on it. And for, for whatever reason, I got, I got the best of him. And what I remember to this day is Jeremy was like, we went to McDonald's. He said, you order whatever you want. Like, he, I mean, he was he was a great sport about it. And uh, though he was definitely the better basketball player overall, I got him in that one on one game. That was certainly fantastic. I remember, you know, um, the, you know, the thing I remember most is the socks that you were wearing that day. <laughs> you had those Kool-Aids and you pulled dude. them all the way up. And I was just like, who is this clown? That that honestly distracted me from from get the get go. <laughs> But yeah. you did. You you piled me. And I think Ryan did that, too, at one point. Uh, we played one-on-one. I, I, I still remember those losses. I'm not happy about them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, for me, uh, as far as the greatest, the greatest uh, favorite athletic moment had to be my senior year of college. Um, side by side with Ben, we hosted the, uh, the North Central uh, basketball tournament at Pillsbury. It happened, what, once every six to eight years, right, as it rotated around as our senior year, and we played our hated rival Crown College. Man, we hated those those guys. And it was interesting because we hosted, but we had the worst record. They were the higher seed. And so they had the choice to to put us in our like away uniforms and have us use the 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 like the visitor locker room. And they they did it. And that was the dumbest decision they made that we put on our black uniforms at home and it was over. We started off on an eight like literally we started off on an eight oh run and we didn't look back. It was unbelievable. We rolled them out of the gym and won, you know, we got to hang the banner and I mean that 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 for me was the most electric gym I've been in, like as a player. That was that was heads and tails for me. 
That's a great, that's a great. Ben, do you want to follow up? You were yeah. mentioned there a little bit. I bet you've got I, some like that. I probably should. I, so I need to try to recall a positive soccer moment from high school. So I can, I can do that. Um, I remember as a freshman in high school, I was the starting goalie for our team that year. And we, that was our kind of our last year in the, in a smaller school max conference. And uh, we won the, the conference tournament up in Blaine we got to play in the stadium at Blaine where the semi-pro or the the bigger Minnesota amateur team played at that time so that that was pretty fun and being a freshman on the team we we had quite a few seniors that were the other defense uh, around me so they they helped me out a lot but it was a that was a really fun year Um, and then as Matt mentioned the senior year of college uh, winning that basketball tournament and going to nationals was a really special time that was really fun. Matt and I were both captains on that team, and that was a lot of fun to be a part of that. Um, But one of the moments that I highlight that that was really fun for me was my senior year also of college. My dad was the baseball coach at Pillsbury. So getting to uh, both my parents, they usually attended most of the games for for all of my career. But uh, being able to have him out there uh, coaching the team uh, when I got to to play for in my last year and my last sport, you know, of college being a spring baseball sport. Um, yeah, that was pretty fun. That, that kind of would be one of my highlights. One of my favorite memories was being able to play for my dad when he coached in college. He, he wasn't by chance playing as well. Did he have some eligibility? You guys could have been like Ken Griffey Jr. and Ken Griffey Sr. playing together. Well, based on some of the guys on the roster, we could have used him, but no, he did not play. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah, too bad. That's great. Jeremy, uh, you were you were referenced. Do you want to step up next? Yeah, I, man, when this came out, I, so many memories flooded back and, and not, not mine. It was actually, I mean, I, I'm thinking about all of you guys and some of the great plays you made over the years in all sports. I mean, Don, I remember you at Maranatha at the soccer field there beating Maranatha, walking off that in overtime, I believe, at Maranatha. You you scored, uh, I believe, that last that last goal. Um, I remember some some unbelievable um, rebounds. And I remember I remember uh, from Matt and I remember coach telling him, you know, just give it up, pass it up to the guard. I mean, he would always Pat, no, Matt would take the ball straight down the middle of the court. And it was like, it didn't matter who was in the way. He didn't have any moves to juke. He just went through people and would score and people would go absolutely ape in the uh, stands. It was great. Uh, to Ben's fadeaway lefty threes in the corner against anybody. <laughs> uh, and, and Brian... He's good at everything, but I particularly mentioned, you know, his baseball. He loves baseball. And I remember watching him pitch and just being excited about that and, and the fact that he took it so seriously. So I'm going to start with my the, the, the worst play. Um, I was not a baseball player. I never played baseball. You'd think growing up in Arizona, that's all you would do is play baseball and golf. But that's not what I did. So. And Pillsbury was always, like Ben said, a little hard up for players. And so I think I was kind of recruited just to be a, a somebody to sit on the bench to make it look like to the other teams we had a team. And so I was out and I think I was playing second base or something. I don't even remember <laughs> where I was. But the, the, the reality was we had an opportunity 
for a a a double play. And I, I yeah, just you were in, at second. You were at just, second. Yeah, just verify. an instinct because Ryan was Ryan. You were you were coming over uh, from short, and it was like anybody who ever plays the game knows that you know this is just the shortstop coming over to take second base, and then he was going to throw. And it was a perfect. It was like the one of the clearest double play possibilities ever. I jumped in front of the ball and and grabbed the ball <laughs> because I didn't think anybody was covering second base. And when I caught the ball, I clearly caught the eye of Ethan <laughs> who was like looking at me confused. <laughs> and then I remember Ryan's glove going over his mouth. <laughs> And it was a muffled string of words, which I can only imagine what that was. And then shaking his head. And then I looked at our coach in the uh, first baseline. And I remember him just like staring at me like, wait, did that just happen? <laughs> we got no outs. <laughs> and I was I was thrilled to death that I caught the ball and it didn't go into uh, <laughs> right to second base where it could have turned to double play. So that was my that was my owie moment. Um, I'll never forget that. Um, I think the uh, moment that I probably um, just enjoyed the most uh, was it did come in a basketball game, but it was actually an away game at Faith. It was the first time we ever played against that. It was a conference game, and I was a freshman and really just kind of trying to find my way into the team. And really, I I mean, I didn't really think I was that great a player, uh, but I did find a little bit of a role, uh, of a six-man role on that team. And uh, somehow late in the game, I was put in. The play was called actually for me to be a, a, a second uh, option to the end of the game. We were down one point. <laughs> And our point guard, who was an All-American, uh, Greg, was supposed to uh, get the ball and he was supposed to go in and score. And, and there was no doubt in our entire team's mind that that's what should have happened. Well, he got double or triple teamed and they passed the ball. He passed the ball to me and I had an open lane and I took it and I got hammered going to the hoop. Didn't make the layup. And then I was to shoot two free throws with uh, two seconds left. And I made both of them. Uh, called timeout. Faith tried to get a play and they, they didn't score. And it was at their home gym and the whole gym just was silent. It was unbelievable. We got into the, the bleacher area before before we got into our locker room. And I just let out the biggest, yeah! And our whole team just went nuts. We were just screaming in the locker room. I felt like that was, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, you fi- you're finally, you know, arrived. Okay, we'll accept you on the team kind of moment. And uh, we won by one point. And uh, so that was that was a fun. I'll always remember that that uh, that game. That was a fun moment. That was a great game. I, I'll never forget that game. Oh, I was still so get chills with that. Ugh, yeah. Loved it. I remember one thing I remember from that game. And it was it was I was it was to end the half or sometimes because didn't Greg hit a half court shot? Yeah. To end the half. Yes. I mean, it was just crazy. We were doing so much. Back it was so much yeah, it was just back just and forth. And I remember towards the, towards the fourth end of the fourth quarter, we were up by like six or something like that. Or we're getting close. To, no, I came down and I had a breakaway. I had no one in front of me. And I stopped at the three point and jacked up a three. Yeah. And <laughs> 
<laughs> we sure. all we all wondered. Right. For sure, I would think fetch regardless if that goes in or not. Well, so, what did we do? <laughs> then I went in and I like I like just pointed to the ground. I just started raising my eyes like start the bus. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking so much. I was like, what what got into me? It was so funny. <laughs> oh. Don is. You've got more stories, right? Or you just... Uh... I've got stories, yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> nightmares, more like it. Uh, <laughs> no, I think the one that, that stands out to me was a high school game, my junior year. My junior year, we had this amazing team. We had we had three or no, we had like five seniors that were really good. Three of them started that were then Jeremy Calcabuccio, Jason Normiston, and Jason uh, Webster. They were all like six three, six five, six six, and then Jimmy Hunter and I started as the two guards. And really, my only job was to just jack up threes. That's all I did. <laughs> and it was so much fun. I had that was one of the fun, most fun years I've ever had in my life because that team was just so awesome. It, I mean, we had when we went to state, we had to split up the team. Because the national, for whatever reason, they had the nationals the same time as our state tournament. And the play-in game for the national tournament was played at Pillsbury. And I'll never forget that game because the gym was just packed. It was two high school teams. We played against Maranatha High School in in Watertown, uh, Wisconsin. And they had... You know, they had two. Well, Nate Oates, who is now the coach. Where is he the coach of now? Jeremy, Nate Buffalo? Oates, Buffalo. No, he's not is at it, Buffalo. Is it? Oh, is he? Is he? He's in the South now, right? Yeah, he moved, he went to. Uh, man, I can't wish I knew him. But yeah, he's a div- Division One coach now. Um, and yeah, yeah, they had a great team too. But that game, I'll never forget. I'll never forget it was one of the greatest games ever played. I think it was so much fun. We we won on a last second shot. Jeremy Calcabuccio hit like a thirty five footer uh, to end the game to win it, and the gym just went crazy. I remember it was just pandemonium. I was just hugging anybody who I could find. <laughs> I remember looking over and seeing Jeremy Calcabuccio make out with his girlfriend at half court after he did the shot. I kid you not. It was pandemonium. It was oh, hilarious. My. It was so much fun. I it was just fantastic. I'll never forget that. So that was one that I remember. The one I well, the one I try to forget and I still have nightmares about is where, what college did we go to, Ben? When we got lost, Clark College. Clark, Clark. College. Yeah. Clark we all, we all know the answer. Yeah, we, we all know the answer. Yeah, yeah. Coach, uh, our coach at the time decided it was a good idea to have me drive the van. Um, <laughs> I, I remember walking. We were at a stop. We were at a. We, were, we weren't even like a half hour down the road. We had to stop for some reason. Stop at a gas station, and the coach we had was to like, get hey. some seeds. <laughs> coach had to get some seeds. Yeah. <laughs> some seeds. <laughs> we got. So I'm. He's like, he's like, God, I need you to drive. I'm like, what? You know, like, I got. We, we need you. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I'll drive. And so I jump in the driver's seat, and he's. I'm like, where am I going? And he's like, oh, we're just going to head down this road. You'll, you'll we'll run into it. I was like, all right. You know, it's down the high, straight down the highway, apparently. I don't know. He's like, when you see the sides, you'll see the sides. Just start turning off. I was like, okay. Well, he five hours later, I don't know where we ended up. Where did we end up? <laughs> lacrosse. Oh, lacrosse. Buffalo. 
<laughs> like south Matt of lacrosse Coach somewhere. was asleep next to me. I don't know where I was going. I was like waiting for the sign for Carol. Or, was it Carol or Carl? What is Carl? Clark, Clark. Clark. But yeah. Clark. But yeah. We finally get, they finally get there. We're like 45 minutes late, right? They gave us like how many minutes to warm up? Did they even get us time to warm up? 10 minutes to warm up? 10 minutes. 10 on the oh, man. How many points did we score the first half? Ten. Nine? Ten? Did we yeah, make it we to double? No, we did not break double we digits. We didn't get double yeah. digits. Yeah. You're no. right. No. It was eight yeah. points. Yeah, we didn't make it to double digits. We did digits not break point. double digits. I remember we should have just turned around and gone home. Yeah. That was ridiculous. <laughs> I remember after the game, families feeling sorry for us of the other team. Like, oh, you know, you know. I remember, I'll never forget this one, too. And I, I, told, I tell this to my buddy at work. He laughs at this every time I tell him this because like, he loves the story for whatever reason. He always asked me to tell him about it, but I was. <laughs> second half of the game second half of the game I'm I'm like 0 for 20 from 3 point line and uh, and, uh, and this and, and a fan from the other team a fan from the other team is following me running with me down the court after I jacked up my 0 for 20 3 he's like stop shooting the ball stop shooting the ball <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget because then when I came down the next hit, I shot it just to just to get, <laughs> just to get the guy even more fired up. But then I made it, so I just left my hand up there and I just like oh, I was like shaking my head. Like, yep, yep. I just made that. You know, I was like oh, I was like man. I don't know what I was. I was just terrible. It was just an awful experience. I remember going back to the bench, just feeling just get us home. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, we we could sit around talking these stories all night. I, oh man, man, yeah, just just having you guys as team was was just great i mean whether it be coming back from a golf trip and just having our mcdonald's you know talking about our terrible shots and how the other teams were making fun of us because we're a bunch of novices i mean it was it was it was great we we we, we just had fun with yeah. what we were dealt with you know we didn't have a large student population and like jeremy said some of us were on teams just to fill out the bench even though you know we may not have had the talent but I would have to say, so I, I, I think my, my highlight, I'm going to, because one of you is involved in, in this highlight, I, I think I'll use this one as my highlight. I'm, th- I'm thankful that I had the opportunity to play ping pong in college. Uh, we, of course, we didn't have any uh, teams that played other colleges, but when, once I transferred it to my second school, which was my, my junior year, first junior year, I played somebody for an unofficial college championship up, up there at Northwestern, and I uh, won. And it, it happens to be the same guy who is also the director of the series, The Chosen, Dallas Jenkins. So um, that was memorable for me. And then I was able to play Matt uh, at Pillsbury. And uh, I think I think I got the better of him there. Matt, that, correct, that is true. Correct me if I'm wrong. Did, uh, did I play my second senior year against Nate? Nate Johnson, or did we play again my senior year? I can't remember. You're talking about the like our unofficial championship? Right, right. Yeah. Did, did you and I play two years, or was it just one year? I, I felt like I was playing Nate Johnson for a serious match one time, but playing Matt in ping pong period is just a highlight because we would be up till, I don't know, I mean – they told us to try to wind things down around 11 o'clock at, at our college, but we were up till two, two thirty, and uh, easily f- furniture was being upended. And <laughs> I mean, we were getting so warm in the well, winter. I'll be honest. I, you had the girls dorm watching from the other side there. And you guys were honest. tossing chairs back and forth, removing clothing. It was a spectacle. <laughs> 
I think Ethan might have came and coached us like guys. I just True. got a call from the other R from the True. female RA, like shut the curtains. Close it up. You know? Yeah, he wasn't even in our thinking. We're so locked in on beating the other guy that, you know, yeah. we're doing what's necessary, whether it be taking some frustration out on furniture or removing our t shirt or whatever. You know, we were getting it was warm. hot, man. It was hot. You think ping pong is is not a sport, man. You get you work up a lather fast. <laughs> So we were just trying to we were trying to prevent (laughs) yeah Matt Matt is exactly right it was a workout and it was great I think probably my embarrassing moment I don't think any of you witnessed this the closest one who did witness it was was our friend Josh Dove Um, we we were at a golf tournament and again recall what I said earlier I had just learned how to golf that summer (laughs) so I I felt most comfortable hitting far shots with a three wood as opposed to a driver and we were at a course in Iowa and you had to clear about. 200 yards of water, I would say, which, you know, for a decent golfer, easily done. But when you got a three wood and you're a hacker, not as easily done. So I get up there and I'm with, you know, three other guys from different colleges. And I'm uh, first one goes plop into the water, second one. So I'm hitting three plop into the water. <laughs> Third one, like, what do I do? I don't even know what to do. I don't know what plan. I don't know what plan B is here. This is where's Coach Risbin when you need him. <laughs> So I hit, I hit a third one and I thought, yeah, that, that's going to make it. And no, it's, it, it, it hooks. I'm, yeah, it fades right, almost made in the water. I turn around and my teammate Josh Dove is on the green behind me on the ground laughing. He's watching the whole thing. And I've, I've got these guys from the other college. They're offering me the golf balls. They're like, hey, man, do you need a golf ball? Uh, maybe soon. I think I scored a 13 on that hole. It was, I mean, I just, I had to hit it in, into these trees. I had to hit right into these trees to keep my ball in play. It was horrible. I mean, it was just, it was just a nightmare. And I mean, as, as embarrassing as Don's situation was with the, with the fan telling him to stop shooting, I just felt, I felt helpless. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't have the club that would carry the water unless I went right into the woods, which of course is another disaster. But just the fact that we could still go and on the way back laugh and tell these stories. I mean, that was, that made our, 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 solidified our friendships, I think, in a lot of ways, being involved with sports together. So that was, that was fun. Well, that was a good uh, flash into, into the old uh, memory banks. And Jeremy, I will say this, you said I was muttering something into my glove and I was muttering something into my glove. It was this. And I wunderweil, wunderweil. Hey, man, if you would have spelled my name right on the back of my baseball jersey, I would have felt a little bit, you know, bad about taking, stealing that double play away. But oh, I had to get back man. at you somehow. <laughs> that, oh, it was it was priceless. I, I, I'll set the stage even more. We, we were playing a guy again up at St. Scholastica who had thrown a no-hitter against us yeah. in Owatonna. And we were right in the thick of things right. in this game. Right. And so we this was going to be a, a big double play. And, and then the fact that you kind of intercepted the ball in I between did. it being turned. And you're right. I mean, Ethan's face, Coach Garrison's face, my face, we were just all puzzled. Well, and the uh, the, the, uh, the other thing, too, is I, I took a gander at the other team and they were all just like, Wait, did that just happen? And they're 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 all on board. Yeah, I think I, I broke it open for I broke it open for them at that point. It was that same it was that same game. That was the first time I was up at bat ever in a collegiate game. This guy threw a curveball. I swear it was coming at my head. I jumped out of the batter's box. I jumped out of the batter's box in the ump side. Back. Oh boy, I'm in the wrong sport. Yeah, so we, Jeremy, 
Quick yeah. question for you. So who won like the intercept ball award? Was it you or Matt Courts? Because I, I, I recall several. Yeah, that was awesome. outfielders roaming everywhere. Right. Left fielder would go all the way over to right field to catch a ball. It was great. Yeah, uh, it was rough. Bunch of eager beavers. Uh, right on. Well, great, great, great memories. So I guess we'll shoot it over to Ben now as we uh, think about something positive here. All right. Feel good story of the week. So um, this one's kind of sports related. Uh, so as you've, you know, as we've all kind of seen through the news the last several weeks, there's been a lot of uh, fires, uh, both in California and Colorado. And, and this is a, a story that comes out of the, the fires in California. So there was a, a nine-year-old uh, girl who um, their family, unfortunately, lost their home in uh, Fresno County, California. Uh, California, excuse me, in California. And one of the, uh, one of her precious items that went up in smoke, uh, unfortunately was her baseball card collection. And I remember as a young person with my baseball cards that I, I did value those. And so it was obviously on top of everything else, just one more thing to pile on that was disappointing for her. So the uh, fire department posted this on their social media that she had lost her cards, really enjoyed playing baseball and, and had a had a nice card collection. And so uh, a guy from San, San Jose, he donated uh, all of his baseball cards to her. So 25,000 baseball cards he gave to uh, this little girl to restock her collection. I think the um, story I saw, she had lost about 800 cards. So she got back uh, 800 and many, many more 25,000 cards, but just kind of a fun, feel good story that, you know, is obviously a very difficult time for her and for her family losing their home and losing this card collection. But um, perfect stranger, he decided he was going to try to make life a little better for her and and donated 25,000 baseball cards, some nice cards in there. He had been collecting for a few decades and he gave her all the cards he had in his whole collection. So kind of a fun, a fun moment that they shared and, and a cool story that I I thought would all make us feel a little better this week. I'm, I'm glad you threw that part in there, Ben, that it was not just a bunch of common cards. You know, there were some valuable cards in there. I guess if, if it were all common cards, <laughs> she was doing him a favor. Offload <laughs> all these cards worth nothing, right? They just take up space. So I'm glad he, he didn't keep out the valuable ones. Yep. Nope. It was all good ones. He said dating back to the early nineties. So it was a few decades worth of cards and there were some good ones in there. The, the story said, so, wow. yep. All right. We're going to, uh, close it out with, uh, Don in fix your eyes. We're going through and shared our testimonies. So I'll share what's been on my heart and, uh, my salvation story. Um, I was saved in, in sixth grade, uh, after attending evangelistic meetings at our church, uh, the evangelist was Dr. Fred Moritz. Uh, he was speaking up, uh, and he told a story of a man he'd been witnessing to while in the hospital. Now, to be honest, I don't know if I can remember whatever happened to this guy, if he died or not, but that story was just, it, it scared me. And it made me really think uh, for the first time in my uh, young life there uh, of my eternal fate. I wasn't sure where I'd go when I, if I were to die or if uh, I was truly a, a follower of Jesus or not. So that evening, that evening I was a wreck. I, I couldn't fall asleep. I was wrestling, just 
trying to get to bed. I remember it like it was yesterday because I could just, I could picture it. You know, I was sitting, I was laying in my room. I had one of those sweet uh, uh, tent beds, you know, those those sheets with that, that with the tent connected. You So you could be in a little tent there in bed. And I was just, it was just, uh, it was just a long night. And I finally, I called my mom into the room, told her, you know, kind of what was going on. And I was like, I'm, I'm not sure, you know, where I'm, where I'd spend eternity. She went through the Romans Road with me, and that evening on November 18th, uh, 1986, I asked Christ to abide with me forever. And my life verse is Matthew 6:33: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Now, my story isn't really, you know, remarkable by any means. I wasn't on the brink of death or struck out on drugs or anything like that. I was just a kid who recognized that my life needed a savior and Jesus Christ was the only one who could fill that void. And I was very fortunate to be brought up in a Christian home and taught the Bible. I was thinking back at that time when I, would, um, when I was getting prepared for this and you know, one of the things that I'm considering talking about here, and, and I'd seen it, I saw, I saw a interview, uh, Ali Stuckey. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but she's, a, you can YouTube her. She's a great uh, a commentator, political, and she has a lot of good uh, biblical truth mixed in as well. And um, she had a really interesting interview with the lead singer of Skillet, Corey Booker, I think his name is. Skillet, uh, the uh, Christian hard rock band, been around for ages. Um, I know they're, I think they've won Emmys and stuff like that. They're, you know, obviously a, a very well-known group. And this guy is just, man, I, I've never really heard this guy talk, um, but man, he's really sharp. And he just wrote a book. And they talked that the uh, the topic came up about persecution, uh, Christians Christians in persecution. And back in the 80s and, uh, and 90s, it was almost black and white as far as if you were a follower of Christ or not. You were quote unquote worldly if you drank, you did drugs, you listened to rock music and you had sex with your girlfriend before marriage, right? And if you did any of those things, you probably were more than likely going to get persecuted for your faith. You know, you're considered a square or whatever it is. But in the last 15 years or so, I feel like that's changed. And what has been considered persecution is a lot different. It looks different. Instead of those black and white issues, it has now resorted to something that maybe preys on our on your emotions and the acceptance of each other. I think persecution today is morphing into something that uh, you're not being labeled a Jesus freak. Uh, you're being labeled a racist or you're being labeled someone who's homophobic. You're being labeled someone who's unwilling to accept another person's lifestyle because it goes against what the, eventually the truth of the Bible is. And we're witnessing a time in our lives where, where if we ignore what the Bible has to say about moral issues, then, then we won't be considered the outcast. We are the ones who will ultimately be held accountable for accepting Jesus Christ's teaching. If we don't change and when there is no room for you or your, and there will be no room for you or, or your biblical view. And just as we've seen this throughout history, man's failures are repeated time after time. We don't learn from history. I mean, that is why it has a tendency to repeat itself. And just as talked about, you know, we talked about John Piper going down the path that we never thought we'd see maybe this, this bastion of biblical teaching go down. We have to be held accountable. I mean, we really do. And I think that's why I value our guys, our friendships, because I think we, have, we will hold each other accountable. And I believe in the coming years, I think our children will be the most affected 
by this. It's going to be about how we as Christians uh, respond to truth. I mean, it's an obvious statement, I know, but because throughout time, that's what it's always come down to. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. But now godly leaders and men and women who we consider statesmen of our faith are beginning to flirt with the oftentimes are oftentimes conceived with this modernistic thinking and expecting everyone to accept who they are and what they believe. Critical race theory, virtue signaling are becoming hot, to- hot topics and, and are now at the forefront of our socially dysfunctional world. And the lines are clearly drawn. Either think like we do or suffer the consequences. And we as Christians, we got to measure everything by the word of God. Truth is not defined by an ethnic group. Truth is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ revealed in God's word. And because of that, believers should point people towards the Savior. Broken world provides no shortage of opportunities for that. I think we'd all agree. But as Christians, we must never look and lose sight of the most important need of others. There will come a day we will be a part of the most ethnically diverse gathering in history. A time in the very near future and a day that cannot come soon enough. The triumphant return of the kingdom of God in Revelations. Let me close with this. Revelation 7, 9 says, A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Yeah, hasten that day. That's great, Don. Thanks for thanks for sharing with us. That's a wrap on episode 14 on this first day of November, year of our Lord, 2020. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.